Yo, what up? This is D-Night, and you're listening to the Part of the Interaction Podcast. My, oh my, has it been a week? I guess, I guess there are always weeks. Oh, <laughs> yes, every seven days is a week. But the seven days is so full of absolute, utter, batshit insanity that it's really difficult to keep track of, of exactly what it is that's going the fuck on. It's been so wild i'm not even exactly sure where to start but we'll figure it out and before we get to that let's give a shout out to our sponsor sheets and giggles make sure you pick up a set of wonderfully soft luscious sheets from sheetsandgiggles.com for your friends and family for the holiday season they deserve the best gift you could possibly give them a good night's sleep and you can help provide that with a set of sheets from sheetsandgiggles.com. Also, make sure you check out the show notes because we've got some links in there to get you a little discount on behalf of part of the interaction. By the way, make sure you go back and check out our previous episode with Josh Bender, the youngest black elected official in the country. We had a fantastic time. It was quite delightful. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And on to the endless fucking nonsense. Man, oh man. So, of course, last week, Rudy Giuliani was dealt what he referred to as the civil death penalty when a court in Georgia ordered him to pay up $148 million to Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, uh, Georgia election officials from the 2020 election, uh, after he was found to have engaged in persistent defamation of their characters, causing them untold amounts of pain and suffering and, and harm, just practically ruining these people's lives in order to perpetuate the lie that the 2020 election was somehow stolen from Trump. It was rather funny listening to like mainstream media news outlets talk about this dude like they were reading his obituary. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty funny. Like it's all over for Rudy Giuliani. Like they buried him. <laughs> but, you know, in this case, figuratively, not not literally um i don't know what to say he had it fucking coming it's about time for consequences to start bounding up for the people who attempted to steal the 2020 election whether that be trump rudy giuliani uh crackhead mike lindell or or any of these other individuals you know the proud boys and oath keepers they're in prison like the consequences are finally starting to mount we're finally starting to make some headway if only we had the ability to uh, not let the length of time that it took to get to this point, like impact our perspective on the severity of these consequences. Like we all feel like, oh man, nothing's ever happened to these people. But like, really, if you stop and think about it and you took all of the things that's happened uh, to Trump and his cohorts over the past two and a half years and you crammed it into say three months time, you would feel a you would feel a lot differently. Let's just say that. Like, so Trump got impeached. Of course, you know, the Senate didn't convict, but there was a fucking impeachment hearing. You'll remember it. It was, it was absolutely wild. Absolutely fucking bananas. There was a January 6th committee. They held a number of hearings, presented a bunch of damning information about Trump and Republicans in Congress. Right. Remember that? Oh, they issued a report. Did you read it? Did you read it? No, well, you know, we've got a significant portion of it on the podcast. You can go to pardontheinsurrection.com, change the season to season two, I believe. You know, check out some of the January 6th support audio format. Uh, that way you don't have to sit and read that bitch for hours because it is quite long. <laughs> the Proud Boys, they're in prison. 
Oath Keepers, they're in prison. Over a thousand January 6th insurrectionists have pled guilty to crimes in a serving time or have served time. Mitch McConnell is shriveling up. His soul has damn near left his body. Kevin McCarthy, not only is he no longer Speaker of the House, motherfucker's just totally out of Congress. They got his ass about to paint all the way. Alex Jones, he lost a billion dollars. Y'all remember that? Wasn't that long ago. Fox News also lost nearly a billion dollars. My oh my, these kinds of fucking quinces, man, they piling up. Trump was found liable for raping New York. Hmm. Media doesn't even talk about that anymore. The FBI raided Mar-a-Lago. Some crazy shit. Hell, Trump is currently on trial in New York as we speak for decades of fraud. The judge is wearing his ass out. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll read to you a few of the comments from Judge and Gorin just from today. Where's like the media coverage for this? Who knows? Quote, a lie is still a lie. Valuing occupied residences as a vacant. Valuing restricted land as if unrestricted. Valuing an apartment as if it were triple its actual size. Valuing property many times the amount of concealed appraisals. Valuing planned buildings as if completed and ready to rent. Valuing golf courses with brand premium while claiming not to. And valuing restricted funds as cash are not subjective differences of opinion. They are misstatements at best and fraud at worst. Judge Ngoron is wearing his ass out. He's about to lose his entire Trump organization. Like, how's that for consequences? And Gorin's even calling out his expert witness. And, and I'll give you the quote from that. Trump's expert is, quote, a tenured professor, but all that his testimony proves is that for a million or so dollars, some experts will say whatever you want them to say. That's that's because, you know, Trump, between Trump and his pack, they paid the, the witness to get up there and say that there was no discernible fraud. They paid his dude like a million dollars. <laughs> As wild. <laughs> and the judge is like, I wanted you guys. It's fucking crazy. Fake electors getting indicted everywhere. Like multiple states at this point. Not to mention in Georgia, where Trump is also indicted. But also Rudy Giuliani. Also Mark Meadows. Who, who was trying to get this removed from state court and into federal court. That fell today, yet again. Jeffrey Clark indicted. John Eastman indicted. Sidney Powell indicted. She she pled guilty. She cooperating. Kenny Cheese, bro. He cooperating. He on a he's like on a fake elector world tour, traveling around to every state, getting the fake electors locked up. I think Nevada was the most recent set of indictments. The fake electors from Wisconsin, like making public confessions that the 2020 election was not rigged and they weren't the legitimate electors and that they conspired to basically help Trump steal the fucking election. Like even they're out here telling the public that Biden won. Jenna Ellis indicted. Hell, that's nearly all of Trump's lawyers. (laughs) Martial law, Mike Lindell is broke. The way these Trumpers are losing all their money, they should have gone woke. You know, Republicans were supposed to win the House in the midterms by 50, 60 seats. 
They currently have a one-seat majority. <laughs> Trump's finally headed toward a criminal trial in D.C. You know, of course, it seems as though there might be a slight hiccup with the Supreme Court. We'll get to that momentarily. As it currently stands, that trial is slated for March. That's three months from now. It's finally going on trial for the coup on January 6th and all of the plotting leading up to it. Now, again, assuming there are no shenanigans at the Supreme Court, that thing might get delayed a few weeks at most. Oh, did I mention like the Republican Party's going broke? Yeah, like the RNC and states all across the country, their fundraising is record lows. Ain't no dollars out there to help them in 2024. It's bad news. Bad news, guys. Well, I mean, good news if you're a Democrat. <laughs> oh, yeah. George Santos, he indicted. He up out of there. Like, DOJ is clearly not afraid to go after members of Congress. Uh, I don't think that bodes well for them in the future. Again, we'll get to that momentarily. But look, what I'm saying is, if you took all of the consequences over the course of the past, you know, two and a half nearly three years now and you crammed them into a period of time of like say a few months or so you'd be like oh it's over for the Republican Party it's over for them look at all the consequences you see what I'm saying they are getting destroyed but because the consequences have been spread out over a period of time and it's been a long drawn out process it it feels like nothing's happening, even though literally everything's happening. And not only is everything happening, but it's happening all at once. It's all coalescing to unload the most serious potential consequences in an election year, which is bad for the bad guys. So just keep that in mind. You know, it is a process. It's playing itself out. Now, again, of course, we're going to have to vote for Joe Biden in 2024. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not in our hands. Like, at the end of the day, regardless of what's to come, we do still have to take things into our own hands and save ourselves. But I'm okay with that. Like, it's understanding that it's on us is totally fine. We just got to get out of here, do the work. Meanwhile, what are Republicans doing? Well, they're impeaching Hunter Biden. And they can't even tell you what for. <laughs> All right, they're, they're, they're impeaching Joe Biden. But given that they can't even tell you what they're impeaching him for, and they've only made allusions to the idea that somehow President Biden profited off of his son's business ventures, which they have no proof of whatsoever. And like the time periods that they're quoting, he wasn't even in office. It's like 2018, 2019. All right, Trump was in office. Biden wasn't even running for office. Wasn't even a, he wasn't even a candidate. Yet Trump was running his fucking businesses out of the White House. Like he's on Trump is on trial right now and the judge is like hey you was charging like a presidential premium when you were evaluating when you were valuing your companies 
but Joe Biden's the one out here profiting off of the fuck out of here. Yeah, you know, so every Republican with their slim margin voted to open an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. Not a single one of them could tell the public what the specific crimes were that they were investigating. Which seems insane. I feel like, you know, if you're if you're going to vote in unanimity to hold an impeachment inquiry, you could at least tell the public, I don't know what, you know, crimes and mis- high crimes and misdemeanors you're investigating. You ain't got no answers for that. You know, and this is like the one thing that you can find. This is the one thing Republicans can support <laughs> an impeachment with no evidence into potential high crimes and misdemeanors that they can't define for us. And, and, you know, given that this is the only thing they've been able to vote on, like apparently it was such a pressing matter. Biden's behavior, which they can't tell us what they're investigating, was so egregious that it united the entire party to vote to open an impeachment inquiry. And then they went on vacation. (laughs) They passed the vote to open an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden. And then they clocked out for the winter, homie. That is insane. (sighs) But clearly, look, obviously we all know what's going on here. Every time Republicans do something reasonable, like raise the debt ceiling or fund the government, they have to do something insane, like open an impeachment inquiry with no evidence because Trump is demanding that they do so in order to, for a couple of reasons, I suppose. One, for a false equivalency, right? Trump was impeached twice, so now they have to impeach Biden. So impeachment means nothing to the public. They can say, well, look, Biden got impeached too, so Trump's off the hook. But it's not just that, though. Like, given all the negative things that are happening to Trump and everyone in his inner circle, like, right-wing media needs counter-programming. They need something that they can focus all of their attention on, tunnel vision style, and totally tune out the actual news so they can pump it into the brains of their massive amounts of sheep-like supporters creating a media bubble that's near an alternate reality to keep their supporters consumed and distracted and not focusing on the actual problems in real life news surrounding Trump and his cohorts and the evidence of their guilt and the likelihood that in 2024 their electoral chances are doomed. You know, with the economy booming, inflation down, record job growth, Record stock market performance. I mean, like, with all this goodbye news, Republicans need something to talk about. And that's really just what it is. Speaking of Hunter Biden, he was recently indicted here uh, on a number of counts relating to not paying his taxes. And we don't have to go super far into detail about, like, the very specific nature of the charges. Suffice to say that a majority of the time, like, I don't know, maybe 90 something plus percent of the time in, in cases like these, in cases like these where someone is found to have not paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes, eventually settles and pays up. That person's not indicted. It's just simple fact, like prosecutors and, and you know, we we're in like the legal Twitter circles will tell you former prosecutors 
they don't have any examples of anyone else in a similar situation who eventually paid off their debt in full being indicted. In fact, we've got a number of examples of individuals closely related to Trump who didn't pay their taxes and are facing significant debt, including having tax liens put on their houses or their business, and they weren't indicted. Case in point, Rudy Giuliani and Alina Hava. Yeah, that's right. Trump's former lawyer and his current lawyer. Both dealing with significant amounts of money and delinquent taxes and having a lien placed on their home in the case of Rudy Giuliani and having a lien placed on her business in the case of Alina Hava. Trump's worst lawyer. <laughs> All right, it's really difficult to tell if she's the worst because, I mean, I just... You've th- we've talked about this on the podcast. He's run the gamut. A number of his other lawyers are criminally indicted, and some are even cooperating against him. So it just yes. Yeah. Now I'm not saying it's a witch hunt, but what I am saying is a lot of former prosecutors will also tell you that they don't have any examples of a prosecutor offering the subject of their investigation a plea deal that includes only misdemeanors and turning around and indicting them with as many felonies as they can possibly come out with. They just don't have any examples. And I, you know, look, I honestly, I don't care about Hunter Biden like who was due to me, right? I just, he ain't my guy. I ain't vote for him in 2024. Like, oh, well, Right. But clearly this is intended to. I mean, I'm assuming I can only assume that Weiss, the special counsel uh, investigating Hunter Biden, who offered him that plea deal. And when it fell apart, hit him with all these charges like that was because of pressure from the right. Now, on the one hand, I do believe Hunter Biden's probably got a fairly reasonable argument for selective prosecution based on the grounds that they ain't got no other examples of this shit ever happening ever. And then they have many counter examples of individuals in the same position, not facing any, any criminal charges whatsoever. You know, also Hunter Biden's like subpoena and motherfuckers. He's trying to get communications uh, between Weiss and people at DOJ and communications between, you know, people at DOJ and Trump and just like, He's really going after it, and he'll be able to raise that argument in a pretrial motion. Um, but should that fail, like if this does go to court and he's not able to introduce that evidence at trial, I mean, look, it's it's not going to go well for him. So, I mean, we'll have to deal with that when we do. But I think a large majority of the population who are not super online are making their decision about whether or not to vote for Joe Biden based on Joe Biden. Not Hunter Biden. But again, like I said, this ain't about that. This is, you know, an attempt by Republicans to muddy the waters and to create counter-programming so they can avoid talking about actual facts. Because, as I was saying earlier, odds are we are dealing with a Trump trial in D.C., over his attempt to overturn the 2020 election in about three months, March, maybe April at the latest. 
unless there's some shenanigans from the Supreme Court. Now, Trump's filed uh, a pretrial motion in D.C. concerning that he has total and absolute immunity for any actions taken while he was in office as president of the United States. Now, we all know that's some total bullshit. Judge Chucky knew some total bullshit. Like, she ripped him to shreds. Uh, the thing is, though, uh, because this is an assertion of immunity, it is subject to interlocutory appeal, which is pre-trial appeal. And, of course, because it's an argument that has never really been tested in court, it is likely going to make its way to the Supreme Court in all likelihood, even if it has to go through, through the appeals process first. So Jack Smith decided to circumvent the whole appeals process or at least attempt to um, by requesting an expedited hearing by the Supreme Court justices so they could take this up early in January, get an answer, get it out of the way and keep this trial schedule uh, pretty much intact. Now, again, we don't have to delve super deeply into like the intricate details of the legal process and the legal argument here. That's that's not what we're going to do on on this in this particular instance. Instead, one thing that it appears as though no one else is talking about. What if everything goes wrong? What if the Supreme Court in taking this up decides to slow roll it? Because at this point, due to the appeal, all of the pre-trial obligations have been temporarily stayed. Like, you know, that stuff is on pause until this appeal is settled. Like, what if the Supreme Court decides to slow roll this as much as possible, Judge Cannon style, and help Trump delay this criminal trial as long as possible? Or, he, or even worse... What if the conservatives on the Supreme Court decide they would like to bail Trump out? And maybe they don't go full on, you know, presidential immunity here, which, again, would be an insane argument. It would be like, you know, a president of the United States could just kill Congress. And that way, you know, even though it'd be a high crime and misdemeanor to kill Congress, there'd be no one to impeach him. So it'd be impossible to charge him with criminal charges where he could just stay in office forever. Like it'd be an insane argument. What if they tailor their decision narrowly just to specifically benefit Trump in this one particular instance that might bail him out of trial. What does Jack Smith do? Ah, you haven't thought about that, have you? Well, that's okay. I am here to tell you that in all likelihood, given what I know, just given what's publicly available about the evidence collected by Jack Smith and company, I think Jack Smith has made some concessions in what he is willing to charge uh, and narrowly tailored his indictment strategy around getting Trump in court as soon as possible to the exclusion of a number of Trump's co-conspirators. Hear me out here. Smith knows the election is in 2024 and he's got to get this trial out of the way before the election otherwise in all likelihood trump could either pardon himself or you know temporarily let his vice president hold the office of president and issue a pardon to trump or even more simply just appoint um an attorney general who's willing to drop the charges against trump you know because again even if he's convicted as long as it's on appeal 
A corrupt attorney general, the DOJ, would have the opportunity to drop the charges and therefore nullify the conviction. I know it sucks. But again, this is Jack Smith's plan A. And if somehow the Supreme Court throws a monkey wrench in his plans and delays his trial until after the election or even worse, bails Trump out, what is Jack Smith's plan B? Well, I personally believe plan B is indict every fucking body. All of Trump's co-conspirators. Everyone who appears to have skated temporarily. All of Trump's co-conspirators in Congress. Everyone who was involved in the fake elector plot. Anyone who was involved in helping to plan January 6th. I think Jack Smith was attempting to make sure he didn't do anything that could potentially delay Trump's march trial in D.C., by indicting other co-conspirators and subjecting that trial to, you know, even more pretrial motions, like especially if it's members of Congress, then they file all kinds of fucking motions, claiming immunity based on the speech or debate clause, which which would inevitably get appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court, which would inevitably cause more and more delay. Like he didn't want to muck this up. That's why the indictment is so clean and there's no co-conspirators. And once this trial is over, I assume he was planning on working his way back down the pyramid and cleaning up afterwards and getting everyone that he didn't get in this first set of indictments. But if somehow SCOTUS manages to throw a wrench in Jack Smith's plan, plan B is to go after every other Republican and every other crackhead Mike Lindell in Trump circle who was involved in attempting to illegally overturn the election. So I don't think Republicans know this, but they better be secretly hoping and rooting for the Supreme Court to do the right thing and throw Trump under the bus. Because if not, the Supreme Court will be throwing Republicans under the bus. And just remember, Democrats have a majority in the Senate. And Republicans, they only have a one-seat majority in the House. And I don't think it would take too many indictments to get that majority back from Democrats. And that concludes this episode of Pardon the Insurrection.